this is The Crime Café, your podcasting source of great crime, suspense, and thriller writing. I'm your host, Debbie Mack. Before I bring on my guest, I'll just remind you that The Crime Café has two ebooks for sale, the nine-book box set and the short story anthology. You can find the buy links for both on my website, debbiemack.com, D-E-B-B-I-M-A-C-K, Dot com, under the Crime Cafe link. You can also get a free copy of either book if you become a Patreon supporter. You'll get that and much more if you support the podcast on Patreon, along with our eternal gratitude for doing so. I'm pleased to have on the show today uh, the author of The German Messenger, David Malcolm. Thanks for being here with me today, David. Great to have you on. It's a pleasure. And um, I've started- Pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. And I'm I'm glad you're able to be here. Um, I I started your novel and it pulled me right in with its combined historical detail and espionage angle. Um, Tell us about the book and what uh, inspired you to write it. Uh, the 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 novel's a historical espionage uh, fiction. Uh, it's set in late 1916, early 1917, in the middle of the Great War. Uh, the protagonist and and the narrator tells his own story. There's a guy called Harry Draffen, who is uh, as I as I put it in the blurb on the back cover. He, a polyglot cosmopolitan man of violence. <laughs> um, he, he's, uh, he, he's, he's, he's a British agent. He's a British secret agent. And um, he, he's, he's having a fairly vile war, as, as indeed a lot of people did. And um, he is asked at a certain point by his, by his, by his chief to uh, start to try to unravel what they think his intelligence uh, superiors think is a German Austrian central powers plot against uh, against Britain. Of course, the whole point is they're not very sure what it is. He's not very sure what it is, and so he spends much of the novel trying to work out what exactly is going on. And he eventually works out there is a German messenger who is a key figure. And that's the figure he has to pursue. And he does so uh, actually mostly in Britain, although there's lots of, there's lots of retrospects, there's lots of going back to, um, to, to, to Europe mostly uh, before the war and, and in the early years of the war. But it largely takes place in Britain and he tries to work out what's going on. He tries to unravel the conspiracy and it all, I'm, I'm obviously not going to tell you exactly what happened. <laughs> um, but, uh, no spoilers. No, 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 I wouldn't do that. But uh, it, 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 it turns out to be, of course, as always in such novels, fiendishly complicated, to be perfectly frank. I'm not entirely sure I can remember all the twists and turns. But, uh, <laughs> and of course, obviously it turns out not quite to be what he thought it was or what anybody thought it was. It all comes to a, to a fairly, fairly, fairly unhappy um, um, 
uh, really quite, uh, quite uh, how to put it, I hope surprising and shocking um, conclusion. I was going to say noirish. Oh God, it, it, well, I mean, obviously, in a sense, it's not noir because it's the wrong period and it's not set in California. <laughs> but uh, I, I have to say that over the years, increasingly I'm aware of this, that, that noir films and, 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 and really noir writing, finally, like you know, classic stuff like Chandler and Ross MacDonald, but also particularly movies like 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 Double Indemnity, like 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 you know Alan Ladd, Veronica, Veronica Lake, uh, Jane Greer movies, Robert Mitchum movies from the from the late forties and the fifties. I, 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 I'm afraid they've sort of colonised my brain, so I uh, I tend to either explicitly or by 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 references, just by atmosphere, I, I, I tend to uh, I tend to draw on the the the, the noir um, the noir atmosphere, the noir darkness, as it were. Yes, I was going to say I was reading a um, review in Crime Fiction Lover of the novel, and it said if it were filmed, it would be done essentially like a film noir. So um, is that the way you imagine a film adaptation of the book would be? Oh, believe me, my phone is always on. I'm waiting for the coast to call. Uh, <laughs> I actually know, I know somebody who knows somebody to whom that happened. And I think Hollywood actually phoned up and said, ah, we'd like to see your novel. We'd like to make, we'd like to make a movie out of it. Oh, my gosh. It is the coast calling you. No, <laughs> the coast never calls me. <laughs> or if it is the coast, it's the wrong coast. Absolutely. In any case... Um... <laughs> but yes, the, no the, no the novel is hugely filmable. Um, whether it's uh, filmable in terms of, uh, for example, uh, uh, a tele what used to be called a television special, a television series, although now you can't tell the difference between the the quality of work and, and basically what, what you see, what, what British and American filmmakers make for TV now are really just long films broken into mm -hmm. episodes. But it's either that or, you know, a, a, a traditional, uh, a traditional, you could probably make it, you know, for about one and a half, two hour movie, you know, probably a two hour movie. Um, and, you know, as I say, I wish somebody would. <laughs> So, but it sounds like those films do influence you, and certainly a lot of oh, those very, very much, very much, very much. A I, lot I, of those I, movies were based on books. So absolutely, James M. Cain is a great writer, and uh, people could make very, very good movies out of his novels. I, I absolutely agree. And it's not just limited to American fiction. There was Graham Greene. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, Other yeah. writers. Very, very filmable very, very cool. Bright Indeed. Rock, um, uh, The Heart of the Matter, yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see, um, do you do a lot of historical research before you write your books? And how do you handle research in general? Is it before you write the book or throughout the writing? Well, I mean, there's actually only one possible answer to that, which is, of course I do masses of historical <laughs> research. I was um, gonna say. 
you 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 do. Um, obviously, I, as I'm sure you know, um, a writer invents, and sometimes the best things you do, um, you 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 invent. But uh, I have think there's a kind of at a certain level there's a kind of moral duty to the past. If you if you're going to write about the past, you want to try and get it more or less right okay and not only that but if you've done some research even if it's relatively superficial you've actually looked at what streets looked like in paris in 1903 or what uh, what uh, how what what how, what the streets of london looked like what buildings looked like what what what, what kind of clubs were open uh, in 1914, how people were dressed. You might not use any of that directly, I think, in, in the text, but it gives you a certain confidence. You, 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 as it were, know what more or less what the characters look like. And, and also, I think if you're very often historical fiction, and his, well, very always, almost always historical fiction, but very often historical crime fiction is set in in really quite tense and complex historical periods. So, you know, you, you need to know what kind of world your characters are moving through. Um, and, and, and so you have to do some research. Now, obviously, I'm not a historian. I'm not a historian of the Great War, of the First War. Um, but uh, you, 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 you try to understand what, what, what might have been going on? Although the story in the German Messenger is completely, I think it's, I think it's probable, but in fact, it's completely invented. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like um, at least getting that research done, a little of that ahead of time is probably a good idea as opposed to just, you know, Putting it, that putting, puts you put, in your characters' heads a little bit better. Let's put it that way. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, the, the, my, my father was a history teacher. Both my grandfathers were in the Great War. Uh, my father was in the Second War. So you know, I've always lived with a lot of history. And, um, and it, 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 what what I did with the German Messenger is I. I I, I wrote out uh, some of my concerns, um, some of my interests in that time. I did some research to, to you just have, you have to have a sense of what was going on in 1916. And it's really, it's the little things that you need to know that you often don't know. How, uh, how long were women's dresses at various kinds of social occasions in London? in late 1916. If you were in the army, did you wear your uniform to the party or did you put on civilian clothes? The things like that, um, mm -hmm. it might never come up in the text, although something like that might, but, but you, you, you need to know that, you need to know that. If a French officer appears, you know, what, what's his uniform going to look Exactly, yeah. I, I was thinking, you know, from my own perspective, 
the way I see it, a lot of times I'll do research ahead of time simply to get a sense of the world that that character is in. And uh, if something comes up as I'm writing, I'll just say, you know, I really don't know enough about this. I need to look into it. Mm -hmm. and I oh, I, I think I, I would agree with you very much. I think, I think sensible, sensible, sensible writers like yourself. <laughs> I think, I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, of course you do that. You need, you need to know your world. You need to know your uh, one of the things that fascinates me about spy novels is the moral ambiguity aspect of it. Uh, how do you create a protagonist who does things that might be considered almost anti-hero-like and make them likable? Oh, well, I, 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 oh, that's very, uh, the, the end of that question is very interesting. Can I come to that later? Sure. Um, first of all, I think, I think one, the first, point. Um, I think espionage fiction um, appeals to many people and it certainly appeals to me because it is precisely um, about the kinds of things that you run into um, in the wider world, in, in your own private world, where you work, which is basically People lie. People pretend to be who they are, and people have agendas that they, you know, that, that, that they are hiding. Um, and uh, you, 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 you see deceit, you see lies, you see corruption all around you, and that is what particularly espionage fiction series, really, actually, almost all twentieth-century espionage fiction, uh, but but serious espionage fiction. That, that's, that's what it's about, and it's about the ambiguities. Also, the ambiguities of not knowing, of not knowing who you, well, not knowing who you're dealing with, where you are, whom you can trust, and not sometimes quite knowing who you are. Now, if you come to the second point, which has to do with the characters who are, who do all sorts of evil things and are yet likable, I have to say responses to the central character of the German messenger have been very mixed. Two of my very good friends who are very astute readers of fiction have said, uh, more or less, I think the guy's a schmuck. He's a total schmuck. And I said, well, I, I, I think he does some bad things. I'm not sure I would quite agree with that. Um, and other people have said, yeah, you know, he's, he's a very damaged, very, very tormented figure. Which, which is, I suppose, what he would be. Um, I don't know if I like him um, or not. Um, he, he, he just, he, and, and you know this yourself when you write, the characters to some extent start to take over. They start to do things. Now, obviously, obviously, and we all know this. We could stop them doing it. We could decide that they do not turn right around that corner, they, they go left. But they sometimes, it seems like, it, it's an illusion, but it seems like they develop a will of their own. And I found Raffin do, doing things and being somebody that, that, that quite surprised me. And, and I just let it go. Um, I, whether it worked or not, I, I, I don't know. He presented himself to me. Um, that's all I can say. And uh, he seemed to be the person... Uh, they're involved in that story and, and the center of things. And he also was a voice that I heard and that I found interesting. 
Hmm. So that that would be my my sort of answer to your, to your <laughs> question. I didn't expect the second bit, but 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 many some of my some people I know who've read the book have said that he, he's just an awful man. And I, uh -huh. I think he is an awful man, and I think he has good reason to be an awful man. And he knows he's an awful man. But the funny thing is, there are many times when you see awful men or awful people portrayed as the protagonist and find us rooting for them. Uh, uh, I, I'll use the example of, say, the Sopranos or the yes. Americans. Oh, oh yes. Yes. Tony, <laughs> Tony Soprano is a very bad man. He's a very <laughs> bad man, and yet we, we sympathize at some level with him. We find the humanity in him somehow. Yes, the fact absolutely. that he loves horses or his family or something. Yes. So absolutely. there's always something there. Yeah. That connects. No, I agree, agree very much. And, and um, yes, that is certainly something that, that belongs. Well, it's as old as, it's as old as stories, isn't it? It's as old as, as all kinds of stories. The, 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 you know, the, the figures in the, in the, in the Trojan narratives, like, like, uh, you know, the Homer's narratives, they, they, they just do some unspeakable things are, 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 are just really you know, annoying and, and, and vile human beings. But, but yet, but yet, there's an interest in them. There's a complexity. So I, 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 I completely agree with you. So what writers have most inspired your work? Are you inspired by the uh, other espionage authors like Lacare, for instance? Well, it would be very hard not to be. Um, <laughs> Mr. Lacare is 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 he's a very fine writer, um, and and other British espionage writers too, like Len Dayton. I, I think. Uh, well, no, I'm not. I think Len Dayton is also a, a very very fine writer. And I've, I've also, uh, I suppose, read read quite widely in, in, in later uh, both historical espionage fiction and and, and, uh, and um, espionage fiction or or increasingly crime fiction set in in the modern period. Um, the, the 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 espionage tradition obviously in 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 British literature goes back to the goes back to Conrad and goes back to John Buchan. And actually, both of those were in my mind much more than Le Carré when I, when I wrote The German Messenger. Um, uh, Conrad's The Secret Agent and, um, and, 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 and Buchan's 39 Steps, The 39 Steps. Both, both of those are very, very strong uh, references in the in, in the novel. Almost too much, I think, at times, but, but it works, I hope. Well, it's been a long time since I've read The Secret Agent, and now I want to read it again. Oh, no, no, no. He, he, I mean, Conrad, Conrad is one of the greatest writers uh, in, in many different genres and very different kinds of fiction. He's one of the greatest writers in English. And, and uh, The Secret Agent, uh, for my money, is 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 his best novel. I, I am very very impressed. By it. Wow! I, I hope you go back to it. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I do want to. Wow, you've got me all excited he, he to read that again. More, he invents more before anybody else. He does more before anybody else. And the 39 Steps. I've never read the book, but I've seen the movie. Uh, <laughs> well, they, they, I mean, Hitchcock's film version, and there's various other film versions. They're all very fine. The novel itself is much better than you think it would be. Um, I mean, I've, I've got a great sympathy for Buckham because he's, 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 he was Scottish and, uh, and, and, and very, very obviously so. Um, and in, in, in his work, he, he's, actually, he's actually a much, much better writer. Uh, at least I would argue, and a number of other people would argue, he's much, much better writer than he's given credit for being. The 39 Steps is just, just a great novel. I mean, there are massive improbabilities and melodramatic bits in it but but no it, 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 he's a lot more complicated than people think he is now, the 39 steps is quite important for the german messenger because the german messenger is a reworking of the 39 steps i don't want it to make it sound literary but but it, that's what it is that's what it is it's a reworking hmm. that. wow that's fantastic thank you for, for you know, describing it that way. I mean, it just, now I have a whole, whole, all new books to add to my reading list again, to reread and to, etc. <laughs> um, so what are you working on now? Um, I, well, yes, <laughs> when I have time, uh -huh. um, what I'm, what, what I'm working on is, um, it is a it is a is a, is a novel which is made up of uh, a series of um, adventures um, uh, of of a char character who is in many ways quite the opposite of Drafton. He's he's a he's a he's a German um, he's a German officer from the First World War. He's called Alexander Stegemann. And he is—he's uh, actually an academic, who uh, to, to a certain extent really just wants to get back to his books. He wants to get back to the library or any any old library. But uh, he—I um, I take up stories with him, which which I, I've started to link together in, into into a novel uh, after 1918 and. Uh, Follows him through the twenties on into the early thirties, um, and 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 with all kinds of complex encounters, particularly the English, because he, he's half he's half Scottish. He's, he's, his mother was Scottish, his father was German, and um, so he, he's a he, he again like Drafton is a is a complicated figure who's torn in different directions. Um, kind. Well, I mean, you don't have to—you <laughs> don't have to work hard to produce conflicts, do you? Um, but he's—I uh, think he's—he—he—he's uh, he, he, he's a very interesting figure, and the, the stories he's involved in, the the the, the, the episodes he's involved in, um, I, I I think are quite complicated, quite complex, but yet uh, I I hope I hope interesting, and and with. A bit of luck. I I hope I've finished. Uh, I thought I had finished, but I haven't. Uh, I hope to finish um, uh, uh, a novel in the 
set in the 1930s, with, with the early 1930s, with Stegen. Well, um, let's see. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? No, no it's just been a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope this has been of some, of some interest. And, uh, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm very grateful to Crime Wave Press for, for, for printing this novel. Uh, as you know, one, one writes, one writes, one writes, one, one sends things out. They come back with rejections. Crime Wave took this on and, and, and they published it. And I hope our talk today, although that's not the only point, I hope our talk today makes people go out and buy the German Messenger in, in very large numbers. <laughs> I think people might find it interesting. Well, I'm finding it interesting and uh, I recommend it. So um, is there anything else is, are, is there any advice that you would offer to people who want to write novels or write for a living? Oh, well, I don't write. I don't write for a living. Um, I, I have I have the day job. Uh, and, and maybe my advice might be if you really want to write and you really, really think you're good, you might want to make that your day job. But uh, that requires a great deal of conviction and certitude. I, I encourage and I, I, I'm afraid I don't, I don't have that. I, I need to make the money to pay the bills doing something else. I, I'm not going to gamble. Um, and, and, but the, the other thing I always say, and I say this to students a great deal, is, uh, you know, writers write. Exactly. Write, you're not a writer. And I, I know, I mean, I, I, cause I can check on my files when I last was working on the Stegemann book, and I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's depressing. <laughs> but you know, I've been working in the meantime, <laughs> I've been making money in the meantime. What am I supposed to do? Um, so, yes, you know, if you're really convinced, you might want to make writing your day job, but you might want to make sure your partner agrees with that. <laughs> and, and, and second, yeah, write is right. If you're not writing, you're not a writer. That's right. Yeah. I always say you have to make the time one yeah. way or the other. Absolutely. Absolutely. Although, you know, I, I'm sure you would acknowledge that's harder than it's that. It's, it's hard, but it can be done. Absolutely. It's very hard, but can be done if you're devoted to it. Yes. But I almost never regret having spent time. Okay, I'm going to say I never regret having spent time working on a novel. Yes. I know the feeling. No matter how tired I am, I never regret it. I know how you feel. It's, um, it's like you feel like if, if you don't write, uh, it just feels wrong somehow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, um, with that, I'll just say thank you so much for being here, uh, David, and um, I appreciate your being on. I've had a wonderful time talking to you. And everybody, I will just add that the Crime Cafe has two publications for sale from all retailers online. And you can get copies also as perks if you support the Patreon campaign that we have. You can find that on my website, debbymack.com, D-E-B-B-I-M-A-C-K.com. Thanks again to David for being here, 
And thank you to everyone who's listening. And if, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review us on iTunes. We'd um, appreciate that very much. In the meantime, happy reading, and I'll see you in two weeks. Thank you.